a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone. Final hour of the extended edition of Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you on a Monday. And we're going to shift gears now. We've been talking a lot about the Salt Lake mayor's race. Uh, and now we're going to shift to a, an event that's happening here in Salt Lake City. And we're very pleased to be joined uh, today by making Dale Rahim, uh, who was confirmed in uh 2017, September of 2017, as the Assistant Attorney General for the Antitrust Division and uh, as part of the Orange Hatch Foundation, uh, a symposium on uh, music licensing. And uh, thanks for joining us on Inside Sources today. Well, thank you so much for having me, boys. I'm honored to be on your program. Oh, wonderful. And uh, I, my apologies on the uh, scheduling snafu. That was, uh, that was me. <laughs> so we appreciate you being flexible with us today. And uh, I wanted to get into the uh, uh, to the the forum itself. Uh, obviously, Senator Hatch has a long history of uh, involvement in the music and recording industry, the licensing industry. Uh, but from your uh, unique perch as Assistant Attorney General for the Antitrust Division at the U.S. Department of Justice, tell us what you're seeing. What are some of the big concerns? What are the, some of the trends you're you're seeing right now? Well, we are, you know, as, as you may know, we uh, have been quite active in the area of the high technology. Uh, we have, uh, it's been reported, we have uh, launched an investigation into some of the large platforms recently. Uh, uh, so we've been quite active. We've been active uh, in the field of media and broadcasting uh, recently with some of the merger activity. And um, most uh, relevant and germane to the symposium tomorrow. Uh, we have launched uh, a, re- a review of the Justice Department's um, – there, there are many legacy consent decrees, and these are about 1,300 consent decrees that go back to 1890, believe oh, it or wow. not. Wow. And we are reviewing some of them uh, to see if they're relevant. And uh, two of the consent decrees happen to govern uh, the music business and the music industry, and, and Senator Hatch has been quite active. Uh, with respect to uh, recording artists and public performance rights. And uh, these two consent decrees govern basically how um, music, uh, the public performance of music, is conducted in this country uh, since, you know, literally for the last 79 years. And we are taking a close look, and uh, we're reviewing to see if those need to be modified, terminated, sunsetted, or just left alone. And so that's something we are uh, quite active in. Uh, I think that's so fascinating. <laughs> it's been seventy nine years. Uh, there's there's been a few changes, I think, in the industry over <laughs> over that period. And uh, but it is an interesting thing, I, I think, for our listeners to uh, to think through that 
you know, a lot of times, especially when it comes to uh, to things like, you know, broadcast rights or uh, licensing rights or uh, copyrights and so on, uh, you know, most most of us don't think about those things a lot. And yet to some people, it's uh, and not just the famous, you know, singer or songwriters, but to a lot of those who are maybe a little lower on that totem pole who really depend on it for their live, livelihood. And this impacts them as well. Absolutely. You know, some of the uh, some of the greatest musicians and artists in the country, you know, write some of the some, some of these songs and they need to make their livelihood uh, based on these types of royalties that they get. And, you know, we're not talking about, you know, some of the most, you know, uh, the most famous and well to do. But uh, I'd say, you know, 95 percent of the artists are folks who might be living paycheck to paycheck. Um, they don't have the recording deals. And so these are the composers, these are the authors, and they're members of two right societies, ASCAP and BMI, that, um, that have been subject to this. And the rates that they get is not necessarily negotiated by the free market. Mm-hmm. It's set by judges uh, in New York. And we're taking a look to see if uh, you know, is it an appropriate role for the antitrust division, the Justice Department, to continue uh, to be involved in this? Or is there, you know, is it something where um, other parts of the government uh, should get involved to set policy? Mm, fantastic. If you're just joining us, uh, we're very pleased to have with us on Inside Sources today, Macon Del Rahim, Assistant Attorney General for the Antitrust Division at the U.S. Department of Justice. Uh, he is here for a uh, symposium at the Hatch Center, uh, Music and Licensing. You'll be joined by uh, former Senator uh, Gordon H. Smith, uh, who will actually join us on the program tomorrow, as well as Senator Hatch and others in this discussion. And I, I wanted to ask you, uh, as we get uh, towards the close here, uh, there's also an international component to this. We often hear of the copyright challenges for, uh, again, for especially people in the music industry as it relates to China and other areas around uh, the world. Uh, how does your department interact from the, the global perspective? That's a good question. Uh, it is one where we're quite active. Uh, we have, uh, you know, there's about 138 antitrust agencies around the world. We work closely with the U.S. Trade Representative's Office, as well as the uh, State Department, Department of Commerce, in interacting with foreign governments. And it's one of the major issues right now between uh, the U.S. and China that President Trump uh, has been trying to address is, you know, how those foreign countries treat U.S. intellectual property. Do they just pirate it? Do they provide adequate and effective uh, remedies? And Senator Hatch, when he was in the Senate, um, in addition to his domestic uh, input, he was actually one of the authors that created the ambassador for intellectual property negotiations at the trade reps office and was quite active both in the Senate Judiciary Committee as well as the Senate Finance Committee, where international trade uh, goes through that committee. So he has uh, he was active, uh, and I'm proud to uh, have been quite active at the antitrust division, making sure that uh, intellectual property is treated the way that you know the the creators and innovators are supposed to be treated, getting the fair compensation they deserve for their creations rather than piracy. Uh, what's well, a it's a fascinating topic, and uh, will be a great symposium. Uh, tomorrow, again, the Orangey Hatch Foundation, uh, the Hatch Center Symposium on Music and Licensing in the 21st Century, and uh, uh, Macon Del Rahim, Assistant Attorney General 
for the Antitrust Division. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today on Inside Sources. Really appreciate your insight and your time. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I'm honored to be part of the uh, symposium tomorrow and part of the uh, the great work that the uh, Hatch Center has been doing uh, in the uh, intersection of public policy and, and a civil discourse. Oh, thank you so much. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Much. All right.